In a world where uncertainty reigns supreme, where shadows of chaos dance at every turn, one truth emerges unyielding. Preparation is not a luxury, but a lifeline. Behold the Wellness Company, a beacon of readiness amidst the tempestuous seas of fate. Envision a sanctuary of tranquility, where the tumult of unforeseen medical crises finds no purchase. The Wellness Company's Medical Emergency Kit stands as a bastion of assurance, a fortress of resilience against the unseen foes of health. Within its sacred confines lie the tools of salvation. Ivermectin, to ward off the insidious whispers of disease. Emergency antibiotics, to quell the raging storms of infection. Antivirals, to vanquish the relentless tides of contagion and more. The Wellness Company Medical Emergency Kit is not merely a collection of supplies, it is the embodiment of preparedness itself. Crafted by the hands of esteemed healers led by luminaries such as Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. James Thorpe, Dr. Harvey Risch, and Dr. Drew Pinsky, this kit stands as the pinnacle of safety, the zenith of prevention. These truth-seeking doctors have forged a testament to vigilance, a testament to the unwavering pursuit of well-being. Embrace the certainty that comes from being armed against adversity. Embrace the Wellness Company, for in its embrace lies the promise of resilience, the promise of a brighter tomorrow amidst the chaos of today. Don't wait for the next crisis to strike. Visit twc.health forward slash strange planet and use promo code strange planet for an exclusive 10% discount. Prepare today and rest easy tomorrow. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We all enjoy a little mystery. Every other week, one strange thing presents forgotten stories from America's newspaper archives. They all have something in common, a single element that can't quite be explained. Join us on One Strange Thing, and you'll hear about a man who was literally stricken with genius. A 21st century child who remembered piloting a World War II bomber a mysterious, unidentifiable blob in Texas. And then there was the lizard man stalking through small-town South Carolina. From cryptids and disappearances to modern-day miracles, one strange thing brings you stories that are very real and just a little otherworldly. Subscribe now, wherever you listen. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Anyone now? Anyone now? I can hear ya. Where are ya? Hey? Where? Where? There you go. A Haunting in Essex. It's a compelling documentary. We'll tell you the details on how you can see it. And uh, it's, I tell you, there's some really, really compelling evidence. I've never seen 
things caught on camera the way I have in this uh, film. And the uh, filmmaker, documentary filmmaker, is with us, Kieran Woodhouse is an England-based paranormal investigator, a public speaker on the subject, and a co-host of the Paranormal Paradigm podcast. He's also the author of An Introduction to Paranormal Investigation, a book designed to help those looking to start out in the field of investigations. He has a lifelong interest in anything paranormal, which has led him down a path of research, uh, where he now frequently presents his evidence, thoughts, and theories to audiences across the UK. And again, his uh, documentary uh, film, is uh, just about ready to be released, and it's called A Haunting in Essex. Kieran, welcome back to the podcast. How are you? Thank you, Richard. I'm very well. Thank you. So let's set this clip up. That was Lee, uh, the uh, the father in this, I'm going to call it kind of a small cramped house in southeastern England. Um, It's your typical house in England. It is. It's uh, it's got uh, one, two three bedrooms i believe um it's a typical house in england all right um but yeah it's um at the time they were going through decorating as you can see in the in the clip there's um the carpet has been ripped up and stuff like that so right and that was lee the dad upstairs and he was doing some work and he heard i don't know if people could hear that on the clip they were kind of muffled children's voices those weren't so, his children were they uh yeah yeah so, oh, so they were yeah so so that's someone watching the tv downstairs ah. um and so uh, to set this kind of scene up he um this was shortly after obviously if you'd watched the documentary um one of their daughters fell into a grave and then uh went back to the house and did a bit of a seance and it blew up the uh, fuse box when they and came then, back when yeah, they when came they back came from back the graveyard yeah. After a night of uh, a bit of partying and yeah, in a to, cele- to celebrate the death of a, a a friend of theirs, they'd recently had a a friend that had died. Yeah, and I think Sorry, I said celebrate. Of, I meant to, to of memorial, course to yeah, memorialize course. them. Uh, and the um, they came back to the house, lit some candles, did a bit of a séance, and um, the electricity box blew up. This was about three in the morning. Um, so Lee, who you can see in that footage, he's come downstairs asking what's going on, of course. And they kind of play it off and, and and that's it. They forget about it. About two weeks later, Lee is on the phone to his, to his partner, Kelly, and she's at work and uh, he has three loud bangs on the front door. Um, so he goes to answer the, d- the door. He describes it as how the police would be knocking on your door. So he goes to answer the door and there's no one there. He comes back to the phone and then he begins to hear some footsteps upstairs. Knowing that there's no one upstairs, he goes up and the footage that you've just seen is the resulting footage of uh, his his investigation of going to see what he could hear. If you look closely, a lot of people miss, but shortly before the bathroom door slams, there is a little shadow that darts from left to right out of what would be Lee's bedroom into the bathroom shortly before the door is slammed. So something runs across the landing. It's about a foot high or so. Oh, I'll have to go back and look at that. What I did see, what I did notice, there was a coat rack to his right and there were some empty hangers and they were kind of swinging. Yeah, I've looked at that numerous times. I'm not sure if he's caught it as he's gone past. I'm not sure. Um, I can't be sure on that. I wouldn't like to say that that was paranormal. Um, What I can with 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 a lot of confidence say is paranormal is the shadow that shoots across the the landing and the door slamming itself um having been to the house several times we've tried to recreate that shadow we've stood on the landing and tried to you know make that that shadow happen we can't we've tried to recreate the door being shut we can't so um yeah that, that's quite compelling stuff and then from there 
it 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 has spiraled out of control really right and uh he, he captured that on his was that a security camera or did he capture that on his handheld phone camera it's just remember. a smartphone yeah so he's just okay. using his smartphone yeah all right and what's precipitated him to go up there and start saying you know i hear you uh what what kind of voices did he hear he heard just shuffling around upstairs um which has become quite common now um almost sounds like scratching. So when we were there, we heard scratching upstairs. We had footsteps walking across the landing, very squeaky landing. It's an old, it's an old kind of house. Um, we had doors opening and closing upstairs while we were all downstairs. So what he was hearing then has continued throughout the haunting, really. It's quite common now. Okay, so we're going to hear a clip from uh, Lee's wife, Kelly. Yeah. And uh, you sat down and talked with her. This is uh, Kelly and... She also, in the documentary film, A Haunting in Essex, Kieran Woodhouse, uh, joins us. Here we go. Do you feel that it's now here to stay? Uh, yeah, it's, it's still here. I mean, it got to the point where it got really bad. Um, we had nothing for a good few months, and then it's like everything's gone back to the beginning. It's starting slowly again. We're getting voices, we're getting things thrown at us, uh, we're getting things moving. Um, yeah, so it's like we've gone back to square one. It's like it's on a cycle. I don't believe we're going to get rid of it. I don't think anything can get rid of it. And like you said, I think now we've just got to learn to live with it which I'm more comfortable with now because obviously I've seen and heard a lot of things that people would never believe. She's seen a lot of things and never, and she, she was a skeptic before, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I think, I believe Lee's family are, are quite into this kind of thing. Um, whereas Kelly was a complete stone cold skeptic and, and this has completely swayed her. Right. And, uh, the daughter, Elsie, um, Elise, 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 I'm sorry, Elise. So she went out for uh, 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 with some friends to have some drinks. They were memorializing a friend that they had lost. On the way back, they stop into a, a cemetery. A friend or a friend of a friend, um, I guess, is kind of into a little bit of the occult. And I'm not sure if they light any cam candles at the cemetery, but at some no. point she stumbles. No. She actually stumbles into an, a, an open grave. Yeah. At least does. Yeah. And... Um, so then they come back to the house and that's when they have the, the seance, they, they, they light the candles. Yeah. And that's when the, the, all of the electricity goes out. Yeah, yeah. So the, the fuse box completely blew, big bang. Um, that woke up the family, uh, kind of broke up the, the seance that they were doing. Everyone kind of went home. And then they had the council came out to investigate the, the electricity, the fuse box, because of course the first thing I asked was, it sounds like you could have some high EMF readings, some faulty electrical wires. Right. Um, but, you know, I saw the council report that said that it was absolutely fine. Um, they, they got no issues with the, the electrical wiring. Um, and to this day, again, they have LED light bulbs in the living room, and which shouldn't really flash or flicker. And they, they do constantly. Um, so their electricity gets played with all the time. So Elise... In the film, you you, do, you interview her. She actually feels responsible and guilty for bringing this into the house. And then she yeah. moves out. She moved out. <laughs> yeah. Um, we we kind of make quite light of that in the documentary. But um, it, it, I'm not, I think there's a piece of footage in the documentary. We've got so much. I, I, I think she sat at the bottom of the stairs uh, when we were there investigating the first time. And a penny gets thrown from upstairs 
hits off the back wall, goes over her head and rolls into the living room. And she, you can see how scared she is. She jumps up and runs into the living room towards us. Um, she then left the house while we were investigating. She uh, got changed in the downstairs toilet because she didn't want to go upstairs to her bedroom. Um, and she, she left and went out to stay at a friend because she didn't want to be there. So, and she's since moved out completely. So yeah, she, she's, known for starting all this and then running away almost. Um, but, you know, she holds her hands up and says that she just couldn't cope with it. She couldn't deal with it. Right. She tells the story of when she still lived in the house. Um, she was she was asleep in her bed and she woke up and she saw this, I don't know, kind of a smoky, shadowy entity in the room. Tell me about that. Yeah, so that's the only time, as far as I'm aware, that that's ever been witnessed in the room or in the house even. Um, she woke up, she's got this smoke hanging over her, or so she's lying on her back in bed and it's almost looking down on her. There were no kind of features. She said it just kind of looked like a, a, a form and um, got quite close within her proximity. Um, she could see it because the moon was shining through, through the bedroom window. And um, she felt quite threatened by it. She felt like it was judging her, like it was, on top of her and that's the only time that that's ever happened i'm not i'm not quite sure what to make of that because you know as an investigator you look for recurring themes you look for things that happen over and over again something you can get your teeth into whereas it's these little one-off occurrences that kind of trouble me the most because I, I don't know what they are and you know there's only one one witness account to go off really so there's one or two incidents that you actually capture or you capture on your cameras or the family did because I think they installed some Yeah, so cameras. we installed we installed some motion sensor cameras around the house. Um and that allowed the family they got triggered on their mobile phones when something was going off. So if they were out or if they were in bed and something was happening in a different room, their phone would alert to tell them that there's there's movement in a, in in part of the house. Um and that allowed us to capture a lot of stuff. A lot right. of stuff that we wouldn't normally. Yeah, let's talk more about the coins because this is remarkable. Um, and it seems to happen around the staircase, which is just inside the front door. Yeah, so the staircase, the bottom of the staircase is where the fuse box is. It really does seem to be the the vortex, the, the portal of the house. Um, and these coins, this kind of started quite innocently, the odd coin being thrown. Um, and then became they were collecting 15, 20 pence a day with coins being thrown. And what's interesting is there's evidence in the documentary to show um, the damage in the walls where the coins have been thrown uh, with such force. But also they, they started to collect the coins in a jar and they counted the coins. And of course, they, they made sure there were no more coins around the house. And whenever new coins would come, the coins in the jars weren't going down. So they were additional coins. So it's not like the, the coins were being taken out of the jar again and thrown again. There was It was just a constant accumulation of more and more coins. Um, they were getting New Zealand coins being thrown. No one's ever been to New Zealand in the family. No one they know of. Um, it was very, very bizarre. And did you, did you yourself, I'm trying to remember, if you were present when a coin was yes twice wrong. yeah so right. yeah so we within 30 seconds of going into the house for the first time um a coin was thrown a coin was thrown uh, from what felt like so the the instance i just described to you where it bounced off the wall and over elise's head that was the second time um that we that we were there 
Um, but the first time, we didn't hear that bounce against the wall, so it's almost like it just got thrown straight at us while we were stood in the living room uh, and, and just landed on our, at our feet on the floor. Um, so, yeah, I've witnessed two coins being thrown and knowing that no one is where they've been thrown from as well. Right, and some of them leave almost perfect circular imprints on the wall. Like, how how do you do that? Normally, if you throw a coin, the edge of the coin is going to hit the wall and it might chip the paint or it might leave a little dent. But how do you throw a coin and have the the surface, the flat surface of the coin hit the wall and leave those those circular, perfectly circular imprints? It's remarkable. The only way you can do that is to physically hold the coin and press it into the wall. Ah, you right, know? right. Um, so, so... Of course, that that was that's what a skeptic would say, and I'm open to those kind of discussions. But um, that obviously, in my opinion, hasn't happened, and the coin has somehow hit the wall flat, as you say, which is almost impossible, with so much force to leave the round indentation in the wall. Uh, and they're all over the house, um, all over the house. These little marks, like like a little hammer, like someone's kind of right. hit a hammer on the wall. Did you did you go into the big jar, the big coin jar? A lot of people have those. Um, yeah. And and examine the coins. Did you see any really old coins or unusual coins? I mean, you mentioned New Zealand, but what else? Yes, yeah, so we had some New Zealand. Um, I believe that it was a New Zealand ten pence was thrown. Um, well, the equivalent to ten pence. We had the jar was you know just a normal big kind of jar of money. Um, yeah, we looked at some of them and they were just standard. Here we can have coins going back to the 70s or the 80s, you know, like the, the one pence hasn't really changed much. Um, they get a couple of two pennies. We did ask for five pound notes to be thrown so we could go on holiday or something. <laughs> <laughs> but but they weren't thrown. So it was just the one P's and the two P's predominantly. Um, but there was nothing odd about them. And I did ask the family to, to keep a lookout for four odd coins. And that's when they found the New Zealand one. In your experience as a paranormal investigator, is is that kind of a common thread with with hauntings, uh, coins manifesting themselves? I remember in the movie Ghost, where uh, Patrick Swayze, you know, he's trying to show that he's there and he uses a coin, he uses a penny. Mm-hmm. Um, is that the presence of coins, manifesting coins, is that common? I don't, it's not something I've come, I've, I've heard of maybe two other cases where this has happened here in the UK. Um, someone listening to this that, you know, might, might be able to tell me of more that I've not heard of. But for me, this was a first. Um, and with the, the veracity of, and, and the, the, um, how common it was happening, I, I've never heard of anything like this really. Overwhelmed by investing? If you're anything like us, the hardest part is getting started. That's why we created the Investing for Beginners podcast. Our goal is to help simplify money so it can work for you. We invite guests to demystify investing. At least try to be setting aside like the minimum 10% into the 401k. We'll teach you the basics of the market. Yeah, I think compound interest should be at the start of any discussion about investing. And We've had investment professionals who teach in a simple way. A valuation-driven bear market. You know, we, we haven't really seen yet, and I think everyone's thinking about it, but we haven't really seen yet. Our Q&A episodes feature questions from listeners just like you. So what do you think about the situation with ETBI, which is Activision? I'm Dave Ahern. And I'm Andrew Sather. And we hope you join us on the Investing for Beginners podcast. On the Investing for Beginners podcast. Tell me about the stains, the stains on the ceiling. 
that's bizarre. So um, as Kelly describes in, in the interview, the, the they began to feel like water dripping on their head. And, what, and when you look up, there's a it's like a dark, it's almost like Coca-Cola yes. kind of colour um, underneath the stair railing. And there's no kind of dripping down the stair railing and then it's gone underneath. So it's just appeared underneath somehow. Um, it never appeared on the floor. It would People would feel it kind of hitting them, like a wet drip hitting them. But they would never find any stain on the floor. It was laminate flooring as well. So you would see that kind of colour stain on the floor. Um, but what they began to realise was when they felt that, that would be a precursor to some activity happening. And, you know, when they're living with this as often as they are, you, you become familiar with um, little bits of activity that might happen. And then you think, right, here we go. We're in for a couple of hours of of activity now and that was one of the precursors to to activity this this weird liquid and that is common that is a common theme in in hauntings the strange liquid appearing um on surfaces and did you ever uh find any of the liquid sort of fresh where you were able to no no it's always personally. dry it, yeah it was always um while we were there one of the guys with me said he felt some drops on his head and when we felt he had hair kind of my length and when we we felt we could feel it was it, it was damp so something had hit his head but we, we as we kind of investigated we couldn't find any fresh fresh liquid were you able to scrape any of it off and and have it i don't know analyzed under a microscope that, that was something we were going to do um there's just a cost <laughs> there's a cost allocated to that and and as we don't get paid for anything that we do. Um, that kind of had to take a back seat, unfortunately. But it's still it's still there in the house, and we we can do it at a future date. Uh, so, what other um, activities going on in the house? We have the coins. We have the strange liquid. We have the shuffling. Um, oh, we have to talk about the. This is the most I think the most remarkable thing, and it's captured on video, um, and that is clothing or laundry yes. manifesting. Yes. It's seemingly manifesting, falling from the ceiling right in front of the camera, uh, up on the second floor, I guess, and, and 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 just drifting down onto the landing. Yeah, so this is probably the best piece of evidence we've, we've, we've ever captured. And it happened in the same area that that first bit of footage that you've seen where Lee captures the, the shadow and the door closing. So for about, during the height of this, for about three months, the entire family slept downstairs in the living room because at the time they got eight year old autistic twins who were scared. They were hearing things. They were being touched. They were being attacked. They were being scratched. Um, and the entire family slept downstairs and it was during this moment that we captured this. So this is about two o'clock in the morning and the, one of the children's uh, onesies, I don't know if you have onesies yes. um, and, and, and a pair of slippers. So they were downstairs. Um, they'd taken them off before bedtime and left them downstairs. There's a pile of laundry on, on the landing, as you can see. And this, because it's a motion sensor camera, it kind of misses the first millisecond until it senses movement. And then you see this onesie just appear through the ceiling um, and land on the floor. And then you do see two little orbs. I mean, I have mixed yes, feelings on yes. what? Yeah, I have mixed feelings on orbs, but you do see two little pieces of light come out of the where the clothing has landed. Um, but it's a fascinating piece. We've tried so much to replicate that because the camera is fixed. If you look look at the first clip that you that you've just shown of Lee 
showing the door slam, you can see that that's just a flat wall. And that's where we fix this camera, right up the corner. So you can't get behind the camera and throw the clothes yourself. And firstly, it's a motion sensor camera. So the second you approach it to hide behind it, it's going to turn on and capture you. But the first sign of movement it had was the clothes appearing in front of it out of the ceiling. We, we've done everything to debunk that and, and we can't. Yeah, that's one of the most remarkable pieces of evidence I've seen captured on video ever. Yeah, it's three, three seconds or something, you know, of, of kind of the clothes coming through and landing on the floor. Um, it's, I do wish we could have got the, the second before, but it's a motion sensor camera and, and, and it kicked in when it sensed the movement. Uh, so they were sleeping down in the uh, in the living room because there doesn't seem to be much activity down there. Why is that? No. So the living room is has until recently has been a bit of a safe haven. Actually, that's when it, when when we've been down there to the house, we've always based ourselves in the living room. Um, it does tend to be the stairs and upstairs. But we we don't know why we we we're unsure because the seance was actually conducted in the living room when they when they were doing their thing and the fuse box blown, that was in the living room. So we're not sure why it isn't really in there. But recently, I've now got footage of, um, Kelly has a, a smart TV on the wall, and it's recently been dialing, uh, been, uh, you know, you can talk into your TV remote now, and it's almost searching for things as if someone's talking to the TV, and it's come up certain things such as suicide, um, kill 666. It's oh, my. Tried, it tried to spell Lucifer, but very badly. Um, and that I've, I've recently had footage of this, um, obviously post-documentary, so it won't be in there. Um, but, yeah, that, that's the recent activity, and that is in the living room. Remarkable. Uh, let's hear again from uh, Kelly. This is uh, the mom, and she, again, featured in Kieran Woodhouse's documentary, A Haunting in Essex obviously the kids were scared like i said before we spent five months sleeping in my living room because every time we went upstairs something happened i mean it wasn't nice everything that happened and at one point i thought i was gonna have a nervous breakdown i ain't gonna lie my anxiety went through the roof but yeah and and with us being here now you've been kind enough to allow us to come and film your, your home and your family uh, what is it you want from this what do you want from this this documentary i, I just want to get it out there the what could happen i mean most this this i believe myself was brought on by what my daughter done the very first night and i just want people to be aware before any of this i was a complete skeptic i did not believe anything what happened happened and to be honest with you the last two years of our life have been hell uh, so i just want people to be aware don't mess with things that you don't know nothing about because it will happen their life has been hell why didn't they just move out uh, so there's there's a story to that. So they live in a council house. So it's um, the way it works here in England is you, you if you want a council house, you have to be on a very long waiting list. And then when you get one, it's quite difficult to move. Um, and apparently wanting to move because your house is haunted isn't a valid reason for the council to let you move. So they, they, they just wouldn't let them. They had nowhere to go. Um, they, they in, the, in the heart of months, they would camp outside in the garden um so when this documentary was taken this was uh last summer uh summer of 2021 so it was hot it, it, it was warm and they, they would sleep outside some nights um but that they couldn't move they were trapped really right and uh 
tell me about the, their process of trying to figure out what was going on, seeking help, and finally uh, reaching out to you. How did, give me the timeline on that. Yeah, so, so, so it, it, I think as far as I'm aware of it, this had been going on for a couple of years before I originally got involved, and that was December 2019, November 2019. So it had been going on for a while before then. Um, in little bits, you know, not as extreme. And they had, they'd had, it's, they, they talk about this in the documentary. They'd had people come around who said they could help for a cost, of course, uh, 500 pounds, 600 pounds. People would come around, they'd wave some sage around. They were throwing holy water up the wall, which annoyed Lee because it meant he had to repaint the house. <laughs> um, and, and they were claiming that they could get rid of this thing. And, uh, I think it's Leah, the other daughter in the documentary, says, in fact, what it did was it served to just annoy it. It just kind of made it worse. Um, and no one really ever explained to them what it is, what it could be, or just listen to the family. Um, and then eventually they, um, Kelly knew a, a medium called Danielle, who I'm very close friends with. Um, and she she kind of put us together and I said I'd go down and have a look. So the first thing I said to Kelly was, I can't get rid of this thing. I'm not a medium. I'm not, I'm, I'm not an exorcist. I can't get rid of this thing. I can help you understand what it is. And hopefully I can help you live with it a little bit better. And I think the honesty that we gave her um, straight off the bat was something she'd not had from previous people that had been. And I think she, I remember her saying to me, this is yours. You know, if you, you, you want, you come down whenever you, because for me, it's, it's about three hours to get there. So it's quite, in England, that's quite far. Um, so it's not somewhere that I can just pop to for five minutes here and there. Um, so it has to be planned. And she said, you can come down whenever you want. Like, I'm not going to allow anyone else here. She's had um, TV shows contact her to, to go on TV about it, and she just doesn't want to. And the whole point of this documentary, as you heard Kelly say there, was to just get out there what can happen. And it's more about the family than it is about the ghosts. It's about the family's experiences, the family living with it, how they're coping with it. And hopefully other people can watch it who might be experiencing the same and take a bit of heart from it. Um, I, I didn't want to create this most haunted type program where there's jump scares and, and, and we've embellished the, the, the evidence and faked things. No, there's no reenactments to... here, right? I mean, this is all what yeah. is captured on those motion cameras is happening in real time. Absolutely. There's a couple of times where they walk us through and tell us what's happening and stuff. But uh, no, every piece of evidence you've seen was captured there and then, there and then. Uh, so tell me about, you mentioned Leah. That's the, the other, the second uh, of the eldest daughters. Yes. Yeah. And she's living in the house, I, I believe, with her boyfriend. They've since split up, so they're, they're not together anymore. They, they had a child um, around about the time that we film this documentary they just had a child and that was the quietest that it's been for the past four or five years in the house um when they had a child when they brought a child and yeah, a baby yeah, into the house yeah so i thought maybe because there was happiness people weren't thinking about this they were focusing on the child and maybe that brought the the vibrational levels up and it, and and maybe um but since um the split has happened and uh, Khan, the, the partner, doesn't live there anymore. It's uh, The activity seems to have kicked up again. 
And I do wonder if that's related because they, they, they will admit as a family that they, you know, they would argue a lot. They would shout a lot. They've got two young um, autistic children, you know, of course. So it's going to be that kind of environment, uh, a bit hectic. And um, I, I encourage them to not fight, to not argue, to take it out of the house if they were going to have any negative energy. And in doing so, they did notice a, a drop in activity and some kind of theories that I have been working on relate around you're almost create manifesting your own universe and you're manifesting your own hauntings and you manifest your own paranormal activity through the the way that you feel and the energy that you put out there and that seems to have a correlation with when they were full of love and light and laughter the energy the the, the bad energy dropped and they didn't have as much activity oh that's interesting so because I've heard uh, an association between poltergeist activity and let's say um, adolescent girls. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Talk to me about that. Uh, well, yeah, so the adolescent girl thing is quite common and, and they're about seven miles away from Enfield where the famous Enfield haunting occurred. I don't know if you're familiar with- Vaguely. With, with, yeah, so that was one of the biggest cases here in the UK um, where we had girls, on you know, there's recordings of the girls supposedly being possessed and they're talking with this man's voice and photos of them being thrown around the room. And they even had clothes manifesting through walls. Uh, the story goes that the slipper was thrown in the bedroom upstairs. They had a policeman stood in the living room downstairs and the slipper went through the floor of the bedroom, through the ceiling of the living room and landed at the policeman's feet. So it's quite similar activity. Um, but it, I've also heard a, a, a link between activity and autism. And it's interesting that they have two autistic children and they kind of were the center of the activity for a large part of this they they were they're the ones that hear things more they're the ones that see and sense things more um it's normally them telling kelly and lee i heard this last night or i saw this this morning um more than anyone else really in the house so i do genuinely believe that that there's the more i look into this the more this is they're manifesting it themselves, you know, and and they can work on that. And, and that's a theory. Some people might not agree with me, but it's just something that I'm looking at at the moment as a theory. Well, that's interesting because the, the twins, and they share a bedroom, Lee, the father, said that's where he felt the safest when he went into their bedroom. Yeah, yeah. But they have been they have been attacked. Not not. And when I say attacked, I don't mean, you know, punched and kicked but they have kind of been pinned down in bed they have had nasty voice growling is, is a common thing that they tend to hear and there's a great clip of a growl in in the documentary as well um and that's exactly what they tend to hear um the only person that there's been a couple of attacks so there's a clip in the documentary of khan being scratched um uh, quite a nasty scratch on his back actually and there's a clip of lee physically being punched in the face. And I, I've had that clip analysed by a body language expert who said that it's quite difficult to react how he did without actually getting hit by some kind of force. Remarkable. Tell me about your experience in one of the, well, it used to be uh, an upstairs bedroom and uh, it involved a shoe or a slipper as well. Yeah. So it's a, still a bedroom. Um, so we, um, this was the first time we investigated and it felt that 
every time, like I say, we were downstairs and we heard the footsteps upstairs. So we would go upstairs and we would get nothing. And it always felt like it was one room ahead. It was just running away from us. So we made the choice to all go into each room in the house. So it had nowhere to go. And I was stood in this bedroom in particular. I was sat sat, sat on the bed actually with the, the door to my right. And on the back of the door, they got some, uh, I don't know what you'd call them really. It's like a, a shoe rack with shoes right. in. Yeah, and uh, I felt this kind of hit on my back. We were in the dark, and something's hit my back. So I've stood up and shone my torch, and effect this t- this shoe has come out of the off the back of the door, kind of turned ninety degrees towards me, turned back on itself, and then hit me in my back. So I was a bit like, "That's a bit," you know. So I, I've I've left the shoe on the bed, and I've gone out and told the team what's just happened. I'm playing it quite cool here, but at the time. I- <laughs> It was quite creepy. Um, So we put another guy in the room and he's now stood face. I've left the shoe on the bed. He's now stood facing the door. After about a minute or so, he then gets a hit on his back. And the shoe has now moved from the bed, turned 90 degrees and hit him in the back. And it's now sitting on the floor. Um, And we couldn't explain that. We were in the dark, so nobody saw the shoe actually moving, but the shoe was moving around the room and hitting us in the back. Um, one of the creepiest experiences I've ever had. Um, but in terms of what goes on in the house, that's kind of child's play almost. Right. So you, you offered up one possible explanation that the negative energy, because it's kind of chaos, you know, they got twins, they have autism at one, you know, they have two older yeah, there's a lot going uh, daughters, on. Daughters, a baby. Yeah. Um, uh, how much of, I mean, was was it always like that in the house prior to the uh, the paranormal activity, or was the paranormal activity creating some of the chaos, and it became almost like this feedback loop? Um, I think. I mean, you know, the, the children as they've got older, they they deal more with their autism you know, you can communicate more with them. So when they were younger, I I imagine it would have been more difficult when, you know, when they were kind of having episodes. Um, At the time you would have had Elise who would have been going through um, her teenage years, as we've just mentioned with poltergeist activity. Leah as well, you know, they're all quite close in age. Um, So there was a lot of kind of angst, a lot of teenage angst going on. Um, Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and now the, the 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 twins are going through that now as well. You know they're kind of approaching teenage um, years as well. So it's kind of all going to start again. Um, so I, I I I genuinely believe that they are they're making this through through their not not in a nasty way. They're obviously not doing it on purpose, but it has helped the the advice of just any arguments take it outside, only promote you know love and laughter in the house. And that's difficult to do, as you know, you know, yes. and there are times where they, they can't do that. But uh, it does coincide with the, the drop-in activity when that is the case. But it didn't start even, you know, I'm sure there was chaos in the house before the <laughs> infamous seance yeah. uh, when Elise came home. So that that triggered it. No, exactly. So, so something must have. Was it the death of a friend and 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 the 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 angst that that Elise was feeling? Did she unleash that kind of that mourning, that grieving while doing a seance? And did it come from her? Um, that the I've had people tell me the banging on the door and Lee opening the door was almost the invite. So he once he opened the door and obviously there was nothing there. That was its way of getting into the house. 
Right. Um, they, 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 they're, um, they're what we would call, I think they're an end terraced house. So there's kind of five houses all joined together and they're at the end. And they've had their whole house physically shaking ornaments falling off the off cupboards like a like an earthquake and the guy next door who shares a wall with them hasn't felt anything wow um, so it's just it's contained within these walls has there been an investigation done on the history of the house uh, has have, were yeah, there any so we, deaths in the house anything like that so there was a rumor that the guy that lived there before um had died in the house but um, having spoken to several people in the street, he actually died in hospital. So, so no one has died in the house. The area itself, um, in terms of history, it's only really not that long being a built-up area. Essex used to be quite a lot of farmland, um, and, and they've kind of built housing estates on it, um, you know, in the last 50, 60, 70 years. The nearest thing we can find was like a Victorian workhouse that was a, a mile or so down the road, Um but nothing really where the house is. Do you work with, well, you do work with a psychic, you mentioned. Was there any attempt to try and communicate with these entities in the house? Uh, yeah, so we, we we had this thing tell us that it wasn't human. We had this thing tell us that uh, it wasn't from Earth. Um, is that true? Is it just, you know, kind of, having a laugh of it is, you know, cause we can't see it. So it could be anything. It could just be having us on really. Um, it's difficult to tell. It, it, it's, it's because when you're communicating through a spirit board or you've got a medium telling you as much as you trust that particular medium, they might be getting told lies. So we can never tell. Um, I've had people tell me there's more than one there. There's more than one spirit, um, which Kelly, I think now believes there is. Kelly believes there's a woman. She believes that there's a lady there helping her helping keep the balance ah so uh, there's okay so there's negative and positive energies now yeah yeah so, so so kelly believes i've not had that first-hand experience but again kelly's there every day so so uh right now there are the the activity seems to be increasing again you said yeah so over the recent maybe this year really in, in the past few months um she's been she's she's been sending me a lot of video clips of the the tv writing words um they've been having the mimicking again which is meant i don't know if that's meant i mentioned it in my in my book um but the, there's a lot of mimicry that goes on so a lot of um they will be lee for example will be at work and they will hear lee upstairs say come upstairs, babe, or something. And it, and, and it talks how Lee wouldn't talk. So um, the, the, the youngsters might say lol after they've said something funny, you know, LOL. And, and, and they had this thing say uh, in Lee's voice, uh, come upstairs, babe, lol, which is not how Lee would talk at all. Right. And, and Lee was a, a, at work at the time, so they knew it wasn't him anyway. But it's almost like this thing is trying to fit in. It's trying to mimic, but it just can't quite get it right. It's remarkable. Remarkable. A haunting in Essex. So when is this going to be available for public consumption, Kieran? So we're looking at getting this out uh, mid-April, mid mid to late April. Um, that That's the plan. I've obviously got to go do shows like yourself and, and and get the word out there because we don't have any backing. So this has been made by myself and a massive shout out to Dan Hughes of um, Soul Aware, 
who has um, really helped me. He's filmed all of this. He's edited the footage. Um, I'm really just the guy that stands in front of the camera and, and, and interviews the, the people that live there. So a huge shout out to Dan. Um, and we need to just start promoting it so people know where we are. It's not going to be on TV. It's not going to be on DVD. We don't have the funds. So it's going to be on YouTube, um, Soul Paranormal, I believe, is the YouTube channel. Um, if you head over there and uh, subscribe, then you will be able to uh, see the doc- see the documentary when we finally release it in a few weeks. Yeah, I just want to make sure. Um, that's it. Uh, whoops. Par- uh, Soul Paranormal. So if you go to YouTube, let's just go to YouTube, make sure we get this right. And we go to, it's called Soul Paranormal. Yeah, I think it was a merge of uh, I'm Paranormal Paradigm and Danny's Soul Aware. So we just wanted to kind of merge our two brands. All right. What I'll do is I'll get you to send me the actual link for the channel. Yeah, and I'll put sure. that in the episode notes. Yeah, great. This podcast. And people will uh, look for this in uh, mid-April. Yeah, yeah. Well, if if they subscribe, then they'll get they'll get a, a notification to tell them that it that it's now on the channel. Uh, and of course, if once they stay subscribed, as I say, there's a lot more evidence that we're collating even now. So there'll be future kind of updates. We plan on going down and doing a, a, a an update with the family and getting to grips with what's going on. So there'll be if there'll be follow ups as well, and hopefully we we get contacted by other people that are experiencing this and, and, and we get to go and, and, and interview other families. Um, that, 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 w- that would be the next step for us. Well, there are, you know, as you know, well know, there are countless, um, you know, paranormal TV shows and uh, documentaries and, and ghost chasing and ghost hunting, but this actually has stuff caught on camera uh, which I, I've not seen to this extent in, in anything else that I've seen. So it's quite remarkable and compelling. And congratulations, uh, Kieran. Would you say it's the most compelling investigation you've been involved with? I think so. I think because it's been going on for so long, you know, normally you investigate a location or a place and you're in and out in seven hours and you might go back there again for another five or six hours. But th- this is, you know, I'm in constant contact with Kelly. We've been to the house several times. We've we've caught, captured all this footage. I have a I have a stake in it almost, you know. And and so yeah, it, it's the most compelling uh, case that I've ever studied, really. All right. Well, again, congratulations. Thanks so much for this, Kieran. Thank you, Richard. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting. 